Um, we're moving into a fun time of year for me. I always look forward to this fall for lots of reasons. I love fall. But part of the reason is because we do, as a church, we always do a growth campaign. And that growth campaign is really designed to help you grow. And uh, I figure, and I know this about myself, is that I always grow better when I'm growing with some other people. And I'm, I'm not just trying to do it by myself. It's hard uh, when we're in it alone, though there's part of our spiritual growth that we've got to do alone. We've got to spend our own time with Jesus each day. We've got to get in the Word ourselves. But we can grow together and um, trying to get back into some exercise stuff. And I've got an accountability partner, right? And we uh, tell each other, hey, I did, my, I did my workout or whatever I'm supposed to do. And that just helps. And so um, growing together, I know, is important. And so as a church, each fall, we, we take out um, four or eight weeks out of the fall and we do a campaign so we're all growing together. This, we, uh, this year, campaign is called Mission Critical. And we're... Um, rolling out a new mission statement that uh, as a staff we came up with and the elders have approved it and really kind of matches where the church has been and the the legacy of the church into where God has us now and where where we think he's leading us into the future. And so I think it's going to be an exciting time. You want to be a part of it. And so uh, as we move into this fall campaign, we recognize that uh, we've got a couple of weeks here that I've been focusing in on uh, this idea, get ready to grow, because we got to get ready to grow. We need a couple weeks to get our minds, right, <laughs> to get our, uh, okay, here we go, we're, we're going to take off. And so just to get ourselves prepared, last week we looked at how the scriptures really at the core of it, core of the gospel and the core of the reason for the Bible is to help us grow. That's really the purpose. We have the scriptures which are there to equip us and to teach us and correct us. And the reason is so that we're prepared to do the good works that God has created us to do. And this week, we want to look at how mission and how God's given us a, us a mission. And by giving us a mission, he's given that to us to ensure that we continue to grow. It helps to motivate us and keep us moving. We get attached to that mission. As a church, there's different postures that we can take as a church. And, and it can create a, a different um, kind of uh, focus for us and perspective for us. And so I, I got a little illustration I need some help with. Okay, so I got to call some volunteers up. Um, could this row with Ben and Janason in it, could you guys come up? I need enough volunteers to make a circle here. Um, let's see, who else would be willing? Okay, you guys, um, yes, that row, Booznitz, you guys come up. Uh, let's see, who do I need? How about um, John and Krista, could you guys come up, your row? Would that be all right? Okay, I think this will be enough. So just make a circle, back up here a little bit. Um, You gotta, it's got to connect. So yeah, come in here. You guys come up. Yeah, make this circle connect. Okay, good. Good visual. Okay, so here's the deal. This circle represents a church, and churches can take different postures towards uh, the mission and what they're called to do. And right now, everybody's kind of doing what naturally happens when you become part of a group, is you kind of uh, face each other, and you get to know each other, you, um, you become aware of each other. And in this posture and position as a church, if a church is in this, uh, this posture, then we're focused on each other which is really good because then we can see if somebody's in need or somebody uh, uh, needs some prayer or somebody has an issue and we're, we're connected relationally. So important. So much a part of what the church uh, exists for. However, there's kind of a weakness in this uh, that maybe you can see is that if we're all focused in looking at each other, then we might miss what? What happens behind us or in the world around us. And so why don't everybody turn around 180 degrees 
So this can be our response to that. And, and we go, some churches go, listen, we're an externally focused church. We need to focus on the world around us, the needs on the world around us, and we need to make sure we're helping and serving. And, and, uh, and so this is what some churches can do, and they get turned the other way. And they're looking out. And the, the strength here is that we really are called to help serve the world and, and minister to the world and, and connect with the world and help the world. We are. But uh, there's a weakness here too that you might see, which is we might miss what's happening behind us, which is what's happening to our fellow uh, Christians and the people that we're in community with. And so I think there's an answer to this. So everybody turn to your left, just halfway, face the person uh, that will be in front of you, their back. Okay. Ah, oh, yeah. You did that really good. So it's tricky. Okay, so here's, I think, an answer, potentially, which is that we are in a circle and we're, we're kind of taking the posture that I learned uh, in basketball, you know, when you're playing defense, right? You got to have your, your pistols out, right? And, and your knees bent and you're, you're able to see in two different directions. And so in this way, <laughs> doesn't that, didn't everybody learn that? Okay, so... Um, so this way we're able to, if something happens inside of our circle with our, uh, someone in our church, in our community, right, we can easily see that. We're going to pick up on it because we're, our peripheral vision, our focus there, we're looking back and forth, we're going to see it. And so we're able to meet those needs. But we also can see if there's a need outside in the world around us, right? Okay, thank you guys. You can give them a hand, please. It's always, it's always scary. I know when the pastor calls on you, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so we want to, we want to take that posture. We want to be uh, focused both inward and outward. And I think this idea of mission that really God's given us helps us with that. There's a statement throughout this series that I'm, I'm presenting. I've been saying it. Uh, I learned it years ago. And that is this statement. I want you to consider it when it comes to your spiritual walk with Jesus is that high commitment equals high growth. High commitment equals high growth. And so what I wanna do as your pastor, in the fall especially, is challenge the level of commitment that you have to grow spiritually. I'm asking you without, um, without apology <laughs> to make a greater commitment. Step your commitment up. And I know, uh, uh, I know that uh, busyness is always an issue. I know we always have a million things going on. I know that. I also know that your spiritual growth is directly connected to the commitment that you'll make. And so I have to call you to that. And so I have a challenge for you through this fall campaign, eight-week challenge. Um, and so uh, it's important to me. I've spent some time thinking about it. It's carefully thought out. The, the, the aspects of the challenge are very, very important for your spiritual growth. Um, we have eight weeks, and eight weeks gives us enough time to even develop some new habits and, and develop some new practices that we want to see in our lives. And so these challenges are related to us, uh, related to that. You know, when it comes to challenges and growth, spiritually speaking, I know uh, it's easy for us, for some reason, it's easy for us to get discouraged kind of easily. We put out a little effort, we try something, doesn't seem like it works. You know, we're not really uh, seeing the results we'd like, and so we give up easily. At least I do. Maybe you don't. Maybe the person next to you does. But um, don't look at them right now. But, but, um, but we can do that sometimes. And so, so what I want to do is, um, is uh, encourage you with this, is we need to be a little more resilient. And we need to try a little harder, give a little more effort, 
and not be discouraged so easily. Um, uh, there was, uh, Chuck Swindoll wrote a book years ago where he had this illustration in it. He said um, he met a man who had been on the board of Disney when Walt Disney was alive and working uh, to grow that, uh, that company. And, and of course, Walt Disney was a pretty, pretty dynamic person and inspirational and, and all these things. And so he had a lot of stories about working with Walt Disney. But one of the things he pointed out in this regard to resilience and, and, uh, and not getting discouraged, he said uh, Walt Disney was kind of weird in that uh, from time to time, he, he would go to his board of directors and he would present an idea that was just crazy and outlandish. Unbelievable. No way this could happen. And he was kind of known for that. Um, you might have heard that about him. And so, uh, but one of his principles was this. When he would go present an idea to the board and, uh, and you know, um, crazy wild idea, is that he would not take on that idea. In other words, he wouldn't go any further with it unless every single member of his board was against it. He said to himself, if I don't have 100% opposition, it's not a big enough challenge, right? And, and I really think sometimes we have a lot of opposition on us to our spiritual lives, to growing spiritually. And I think, and I know that what we do spiritually connects to the whole of our lives. If we don't address an issue in our lives spiritually with God, it will affect the rest. And so it's so important, it's so key. And so I just wanna encourage you again, consider this challenge. There's four levels to my challenge for you. The first level is to attend all we eight weeks of the fall campaign. Starts next weekend, goes for eight weeks. We uh, culminate in a celebration Sunday down at the Weeborg Center, one service. We have a chili cook-off and, and a lot of food and it's a fun time. But, but make a commitment to be here for all eight weeks. That might be a big step for you. It might not. It might be. You might say, Pastor, I, I got things planned. I can't do it. Okay. Um, but, but make a commitment to be a part of it. And uh, whenever you make a commitment, there's going to be a challenge to it. There's going to be opposition. You should know that too. I'm sure you do. Level two of the challenge. Get into a life group or a small group. We believe that we learn best as adults. In fact, we know this. In order to really grow and learn and benefit from something, we have to be able to interact with other adults on the topic, on the issue. That sitting in church and being in rows, we learn. And when you have such an amazing pastor, you learn a lot, right? But if you're new here, I'm being sarcastic. I, I do that every once in a while. But here's the thing. Uh, but being in a group, being in a circle, you get a chance to interact. And that is where you're going to grow even more uh, really a lot more. And so um, make a commitment to get in a life group. We've got tables in the back. We've got uh, spots in life groups for you to sign up. It's eight weeks. It's not the rest of your life, but it will help you grow through this campaign. Level three is to make a commitment to read the scriptures each day and read through the gospel of John. Uh, now there's eight weeks again, which equates according to my calculations to 56 days. And the gospel of John is 21 chapters uh, in, or 879 verses, which seems like a lot. However, if you read each day for those uh, 56 days, it only amounts to 16 verses a day. And so it's very doable. Won't take you that long. Um, so make a commitment. Why the Gospel of John? Because the Gospel of John lays out the mission of God. It lays out God's vision and plan and heart for us when it comes to the work that he's calling us to do. And so it's important. If you read through the gospel of John, you'll get reconnected to the heart of God and the mission of God. 
Level four, the last level, um, and this will be too much <laughs> for you, but, but I'm laying it out anyway. Um, being sarcastic again. Hey, the fourth level is to get in a core class. Core classes happen 9.30 to 10.30, and it's never too late to jump in. And right now there's three of them going. Uh, the equip class happens in here. Shape class, Bible basics, those are all happening. You can still get in on those. So make a, a commitment. Increasing your commitment is going to increase your growth. And I really believe that God has called every person on mission with him. That being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, means to live on mission, to, to pursue accomplishing the work of God. I remember as a kid, I grew up in a ministry home. My dad, my parents were in training to, to go into to the mission field. And my mom uh, is from Utah. She grew up uh, in, in kind of Mormonism. And, and she got saved out of that um, by hearing the gospel uh, through a missionary who was there, um, who was a World War II veteran. He went to Utah. Uh, to reach people for Jesus. And my mom was one of the first people that he was able to lead to the Lord at 10 years old. And, and so she began to grow. And, and my parents uh, met in Omaha and they decided uh, through the process of life to pursue being missionaries. And so I got to grow up in that environment. I remember when my mom and dad were uh, candidating, they call it, for missionaries, raising support, went to hundreds of churches and, and I would be the one who would um, run the slide projector if you remember slide projectors, yeah. Um, so I'd run the slide projector, I had the button, and I would advance the slides as my dad would give the presentation. So I kind of got familiar with the presentation about what we were going to do. And I remember thinking to myself, 12, 13 years old. So here we are, we're going to Utah, we're going to be missionaries, we're going to try to lead people to Jesus. And, and I get it, like this is our life and we're, we're, we're giving our lives to this calling. But I remember thinking to myself as a little kid, isn't every Christian called to do the same thing? Hmm. I think that's true. And so I want to inspire you and encourage you that you are called to be a missionary. A missionary is someone pursuing a mission, a life-altering mission. And if you've responded to the gospel and you've responded to Jesus, then he, does, he invites you, he calls you, he gifts you and equips you to be a part of his mission, his work on earth. It's easy to get off track as Christians. It's easy to uh, to atrophy, to go the wrong direction, uh, to decline. My premise today is that understanding the mission of God and entering into that mission with him is what helps to keep us growing as Christians throughout our lives. We're in Philippians chapter 1 today. If you want to turn there in your Bible, Philippians 1, we'll be working through the first uh, few verses. Philippians 1, I think, presents this idea as the Apostle Paul writing the church in Philippi, there's a different kind of relationship he has with the church in Philippi. And what we see initially is that this principle, being partners in God's mission, keeps us growing. Being partners in God's mission keeps us growing. Follow along as I read verses 3 through 5 of Philippians chapter 1. Every time I think of you, says the Apostle Paul to this church, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Paul really is a missionary. And he is communicating to this church in Philippi. <laughs> you guys are a different level. I got a relationship with you that's a little different. 
because you see yourselves differently. The relationship we have is different. You responded to the gospel, but from the moment you did, you wanted to pursue the mission that I'm on with me. You wanted to partner with me. There are churches filled with people, and I've been around a lot of churches in my lifetime, and um, that's a privilege, and I've seen a lot of churches, and I know there are churches that love Jesus. And they join together each weekend, and they listen to the Bible preached, and they absorb it into their lives, and they apply it to their lives, and they're growing um, as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, and they, they have a community where they know each other, they have sweet fellowship, and they grow in their relationship with each other, and they're, they're really committed to that. But there's also many of those churches that are not really partners in the mission of God. In other words, they just don't grab a hold of that passion to reach the world around them. This church in Philippi was a church that was a little different. Paul doesn't say this to every church that he writes, uh, the, the, the books that we have written at churches. But in Philippi, he says, you guys are partners with me. You've recognized there's another level and another calling, if you will, or another level to the calling that Jesus places on our lives. And that is a call to get involved in mission. And the mission is big. God's mission is to save the world. It's to radically change the entire planet. And if you watch and if you paid attention at all to church history and to the movement of Jesus, it has and it continues to have an impact. It's not shrinking, it's growing. There's parts of the world that ebbs and flows, but the movement of God is powerful. It's big. I know this, that for myself, small mission, if I have a small mission for my life, if I'm on a small mission, then I end up having a small life. And I don't realize all that God has for me. But if I tap into a big mission, then I might even try things that are way beyond my ability. I don't know about you, but I have tried things. I have chased after things that people thought, what are you doing? There is no way you can do that. And they're probably right, okay? Just to be fair, they're probably right. But because I was on mission with God, I saw something bigger and I was willing to go and try. I was willing to attempt. And I want you to grab a hold of that. I want you to see that God's plan for you, his desire for you is so much bigger than anything you could imagine. I know that we're all called to the mission field. In Acts 1.8, you'll see that the mission is laid out by Jesus. He says this, but you will receive power to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The mission field is local, it is regional, it's national, and it's also global. And I believe each person that follows Jesus is called into that mission field. And it does seem in our era today that many most Christians are called to stay, okay? And, and I think that's okay. But I think even those that are called to stay can still go on a short-term missions trip as we just had uh, some folks from our church go, the Rays and the Adams, go and help missionaries to expand that mission. And I know that this is the kind of church and the church today continues to need, uh, needs to have people called out to go on mission globally and to go to other parts of the world. And so this is the mission field. It's big, and you and I are called into it at some level 
no matter who we are, as followers of Jesus. The next principle I think we see in this passage is that because it's God's mission, because it's his mission, if we get on it with him, he will keep us growing. He will keep us moving forward. Let's read the next couple of verses, verses six and seven. He goes on to say this, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. There's a principle here that we can know is true, which is whatever God starts, he finishes. I've watched a lot of people try to run away from the work that God started in them. Good luck with that. I mean, God doesn't quit and he doesn't lose. And so he pursues, he pursues, he pursues. Now he doesn't force, he doesn't, he doesn't you know, but, but he will, he, he doesn't quit. And so when God sets out to do something, he will finish it. And it's interesting um, that this passage a lot of times is preached from the perspective of personal sanctification or personal growth and holiness. And that he who began a good work in you will work it out until it's completed in the day of Christ Jesus. And usually that's been applied to your spiritual life, my spiritual life, in terms of our personal growth. But I want you to notice that's not the context of this passage as we've just looked at it. The context is a church on mission. The church in Philippi, having begun the work of partnering with Paul in the mission of God, that he says to them, God started this and he's going to finish it. Uh, God began a work here at Mitchell Berean Church back in 1959 when a group of Berean pastors were traveling the area. Berean Fellowship was pretty new and pretty small, and these pastors were traveling the area praying about where God might want a church, a new church. And they identified Mitchell as a place that needed a Bible teaching, Bible preaching church. So they began to pray. Within the same month, a pastor came to light a pastor, Pastor Curtis Lehman, who felt called to Mitchell to start a work. And so an organizational meeting was held June 4th, 1959, in the home of Harry and Virginia Wilson. Bud Wilson, their son, still comes to church here. We just uh, hosted Virginia Wilson's funeral a few months ago. And these folks were missional people. The Wilsons and others that joined with them, a powerful core nucleus of people that saw beyond personal sanctification, which is important. I'm not taking anything away from it, but they saw the heart of God and they want to pursue the mission of God. Virginia Wilson was an exceptional person as she was a part of this church. I've heard stories about Virginia and her response to some of the changes over the years. As she started to see, she was a pretty traditional, conservative, right, Christian woman and, and liked certain things when it came to her church service. And yet, you know, drums, electric guitars start showing up on stage. Virginia wasn't particularly fond of those things, right? She said, I really don't like it. But she goes, that's okay. I can turn my hearing aid down. But you know what? Here's the heart that she had and others had that started this church. She said, the reason we're here is to reach the world around us. The gospel being presented in a relevant way that connects with our world. That's why we're here. That's what matters. And it got them through the difficulties they faced, as everyone does, with change, with adaptation, with movement. This church, I believe, is a partnership church in the advancement of the gospel. Paul says in this passage that 
Philippi, this church, has a special blessing, mantle of blessing by God over it because it was a church on mission. And I believe Mitchell Breen is that same kind of church. It was established with that heart, with that, with that desire, with that passion. And I think when you see a church that sustains missional impact as this church has over so many years, it has to have the blessing of God over it. I think the way that we keep that blessing over this church is to continue to pursue the mission of God, that we stay on mission. We don't get just internally focused. We don't get just externally focused, but we remember that God's called us to something more. I don't think there's been a more critical time in the history of our nation. I don't want to overstate it, but I think it's a pretty critical time that the church be on mission. A guy named John Cooper, who's the lead singer, founder of a band called Skillet, um, kind of a Christian rock band. And uh, John Cooper has a podcast that maybe you've listened to. If you haven't, you should. It's pretty cool. Um, he's a pretty uh, fiery guy. But, uh, um, but one of the things he had a guest on not long ago, and the guest was talking about the church in America and the importance that we step up into the moment, that we don't back off, we don't get passive, just because it's a confrontational time, even potentially with our leadership, right? And he, he parallels the church in America to the church in Germany under the rise of Hitler and the Nazi party. And he says, the church in Germany took a passive role. They read Romans and they said, oh, we got to submit to earthly powers and authorities. So we need to, we, we, we can't, you know, we can't say anything. We can't opposition. We can't be oppositional because this is what the Bible says. And he pointed out, as you guys know, because you're part of this church and we preached on this, that that is a very kind of low level, sophomoric view of the scriptures. There's a lot more to how we're to interact with government and so, or leadership. And we really are called to answer to God who's above all of that. We represent him and we're called to speak his truth into the world we live in, regardless of who that challenges. And John Cooper and his guest just pointed that out. It's not a time in America for the church to back off. We're needed, we, we need to be more outspoken. We need to be stronger, right, in our voice. And I'm thankful to be a part of a church that so far has not told me not to say anything, right? And I, I just want to preach what God's word says, all of it. It matters that we hear it. Our world needs to hear it. You and I are in the world, sprinkled out in the world. We need to also be voices for that truth. At times it's confrontational. At times it might be a little scary. We might face some persecution for that. And yet we can't back down in these times. Being on mission with God keeps us in that place. We're connected to the heart of God, the truth of God, and we're motivated and moved by the last, uh, uh, by the last thing that we see in this passage and that is we're motivated by the same thing that motivated God to come to this planet on mission, and that is love. Love for God will keep us growing. Philippians 1, let's read verses 8 through 11. The apostle goes on to say, God knows how much, God knows how much I love you and long for you with tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. God's heart 
um, and Paul in this passage, his prayer is um, that the Philippian church will continue to grow in that most essential and important trait. And that is that we continue to grow in our love for God. And when we grow in our love for God, then we will love others. Instead of our hearts getting hardened towards others, our hearts will soften towards them. We will be able to live out the compassion, the mercy, the grace that God calls us to show to others. Remember the greatest commandment is to love God and love people, right? And a lot of times we say we love God, but we act like we hate people. And that just is incongruent. When we love God and we really grow in our love for him, we will love people because God will soften our hearts. And so it's so important that we grow in our love for him. That's what motivates us to stay on mission and to keep us moving in the direction God is calling us to go. I know this. My prayer for you is that you will connect to the mission that God's calling us on as a church. Being a part of Mitchell Breen is to be a part of a church that is on mission and has been on mission. And you have an opportunity by being here to grab a hold of that, to connect to that, and to participate in it. And if you do that, this is what I know, your life will look far different than you could have ever dreamed it would look like. I'm not going to go into all of it, but my testimony is the story of a very insignificant, insecure, lack of confidence, lack of anything important young man who just happened to, over time, believe in the mission and the calling of God. And not because of, uh, I'm particularly courageous, scared the whole time, but just compelled by God to step out and trust him and take risks and take chances and do things that I knew I couldn't do. And yet God said, come on, let's go. And so um, the same can be true for you. That um, growth is scared and following God is scary. And yet when you connect to God's heart and you listen to him and you follow him, I can assure you that doing what I'm doing now is nothing anyone, maybe my mom, but moms aren't, you know, they always think their kids are going to do more than anyone else does. Everybody else is like, oh, come on, you're being unrealistic. So my mom aside, I don't think anyone else would have believed that I'd ever be doing what I'm doing today. And, and I just know that God's heart for you is the same. His vision for you, his plan for you, it's far beyond anything you could imagine. It's a scary ride, okay? But there's nothing like it. To live out the calling, to fulfill the life that you were created to live is so important. I want you to experience. I hope that you're ready to grow together. Next week, we kick off the campaign. I want to encourage you. Maybe there's somebody that you know needs to be here. Somebody needs to hear some encouragement, some inspiration. They need to be reminded of why they're here. Maybe you should invite them to come and be a part of this. The great thing about Mitchell Brian is we really are open. We have a sign out that says anyone can come, and it's really true. That's the heart of this church. And so maybe there's somebody you need to bring along with you on this journey of growth. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your calling on our lives. Um, thank you that you believe so much more for us than we believe for ourselves. <clears throat> that you see us as you really created us. And in spite of the sin that we struggle with and the hurts and the hangups and all of the things that can slow us down, God, you still believe and you still press on us and you still want to see us grow. And so I pray for each person here. 
no matter what they have believed about themselves in relation to you, I pray that you give them uh, that bit of courage, that bit of push to step up and make a commitment and, and see growth in their lives and their relationship with you so that we can, as a church, accomplish all you have for us. We can live out your, your vision for our lives and for our church. Thank you that we can trust that you who began a good work will complete it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, as always, we want to offer a time of response to what Pastor John um, just got done preaching. And maybe when you think about mission and being a missionary, whether it's here or overseas, um, can seem overwhelming. And maybe there's fear or anxiety that comes up. I just want to encourage you that, one, we're going to have some of our pastors and elders, um, prayer team up at the front if you want prayer over what God's mission is for you. Maybe you know what it is, um, but have lacked maybe the courage um, to step into that. And um, also we have, um, I know some of you, most of you probably know Travis and um, James Adams, and they are here um, as part of our mission team that can help you um, get equipped and ready, not just for mission here, but overseas as well. But I want to read this real quick um, about a missionary named Hudson Taylor. He was one of the first missionaries to ever go to China. And when, mission, when Hudson Taylor was about to go to China, there was um, three missionaries in the entire um, country of uh, China. And people were telling him he can't do it. And on his first missionary journey, he said, I want to take 12 people with me. And everyone was saying, that's impossible. I mean, you'll never get it done. Well, by the time he was done with his uh, mission work in China, there was over 800 missionaries um, sent out to China. There was over 125 Christian schools established. There was opium and, and um, drug detox centers established across China. 300 mission stations established and over 18,000 converts for the gospel. And they'd reached all 18 provinces of China. See, when Christ calls us to do something, it's not going to be something that's within our typical um, status quo, what we think we can accomplish. But God calls us to do things um, that we could never do on our own. And that starts with conquering our own sin and starts with conquering our own sanctification in Christ. So I just really want to encourage you that if, if you felt held back from missions, we have opportunities, we have people who want to encourage you and support you on that call that God's put on your life. So we appreciate you being here. I just want to pray and hand it over to our worship team. So Father God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. We thank you that you can do beyond what we could ever think or imagine. And we thank you for men like Hudson Taylor who answered your call. Jesus, nothing separates him from anybody else in this room. Lord, we're all sinners in need of your grace and in need of the power of your Holy Spirit, Father. So I just pray that you would send out disciples, disciple makers and missionaries um, here in, in Scotts Bluff and Mitchell and Gearing, um, but across our nation and ultimately to the ends of the earth, Father. So we thank you, ask you these things in Jesus' name, amen.